No normal human could have a jawline that ridiculous. We discuss I, Frankenstein. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan McCoy. Uh, right over there is Elliot Kalen. Hey, buddy. Thanks for naming me. And you know who just said my name and said hi to Dan McCoy was Stuart Wellington. Stuart Wellington. Oh. And the three of us make the Flophouse you podcast. Using it's new like listeners. Voltron, but instead of a giant robot made out of lion parts, we just talk about bad <laughs> movies. Um, yeah. That's a terrible way to make a robot. <laughs> Lion hey, Bart. Talk to Dr. Voltron, <laughs> the inventor of Voltron. It's horrible. Uh, well, you Mad already zoologist. explained what the deal is. We'll watch a bad <laughs> so I, guess, movie. I guess we can go. So let's keep hey, you know what a you know what a professional host would do is just keep moving and not no. mention that I just did well, that. Well, you were taking a drink of water and I didn't know what to fill the extra time with. The next part of the podcast. <laughs> Wait, which is us telling the people what the movie is that we watch. <laughs> That's right. So we watch a bad movie so and we Dan, talk about it. Yes. The movie we watched. Dan, what was movie was it? I comma Frankenstein. Wait, you Frankenstein? It explains Me, so much the way that your head and your body are not quite in proportion because they okay, came from different well, corpses. Your total lack of ability to say things properly because you have a dead man's tongue sewn things, into your mouth. Yep. Very insulting. And uh, no, no creature b- born of God's work would have so little personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, <laughs> that was the most. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> this was goblin laugh, Stuart. Anyway. <laughs> oh no! Head to Antarctica to uh, fight elder things. Yes, Dan's di- no. Well, one Frankenstein's monster went to the Arctic, not, not Antarctica, and not Antarctica, not the Arctic to France. fight giant penguins. Yeah, that say tickly or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we watched I Frankenstein. So we watched a movie starring Aaron Egghart, <laughs> and now we're going to talk about it. Yep. Yeah, Elliot. Wait. So before we talk about it, I want to say that <laughs> by this, all means, this is one of those <laughs> pump the brakes, guys, because We're this is one of those movies that in. when the uh, when when, when the, I saw the when trailer, it was announced, you said this can be the best movie ever. This is immediately I'm like I'm gonna get to see this movie. I can't wait. And my wife's like, We're gonna go see this in the movie theater. I'm like, No, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna wait until I can see it with my buddies. We the Flophouse. Oh, very nice. We Flophouse. I like how you paused there, because it could have been other buddies of yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they didn't want to go see it. Yeah, so he's not going to go see, see this with Justin. Come on. Right. Or, Shout out to or, Justin. Or, or, or Todd. Or Chip. <laughs> or Moose. <laughs> or Jughead. Are you hanging out with the Riverdale gang? <laughs> They'll have me. I wanted to go see it with Jughead, but he's too busy eating an enormous <laughs> amount of food at Pop's Chocolate Shop. <laughs> I had to go with Mr. Weatherby, <laughs> and he was no fun. And he was just doing the popcorn trick on Miss Grundy the whole time. 
Those um, two were having sex, right? I, I have to assume it. Why does he have so. to use the popcorn trick then? I mean, I guess you need to spice things up. To spice it up. And it was spicy jalapeno yeah. popcorn. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Oh, wow. That is a terrible choice. <laughs> so spicing things up like he's role-playing like a stranger who's yeah, tricking her into exactly. sexually molesting. Yeah, the stranger, he's, he's going to be he's gonna be Archie. Okay. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They would play a... They, the, Miss Grundy and uh, Mr. Weatherby would play a role-playing game where he was Archie and she was Reggie. Oh, <laughs> and weird. they were experiencing forbidden love. Uh, yeah, it's called slash fiction, Dan. All right, thanks. But they also did another one where she was Jughead because they have the same face, <laughs> and with he was hair. a hamburger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he would lie there on a bed in a hamburger suit, going, "Oh, I hope Jughead doesn't eat me all up." Just like how hamburgers do. Yeah, and yeah. Miss Grundy would be wearing that crown hat that Jughead has. <laughs> I mean, it's a crown. It's pretty and obvious. You do the math. Yeah. You know what happens next. And Mr. Weatherby always was trying to get her to do one where he was Betty and she was Veronica, and they're forgetting about Archie, but she thought that was too weird. Yeah, too weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I Frankenstein is <laughs> so the point. let we is get past movie. our Archie porn for a second. <laughs> I Frankenstein is the story of Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. who, as you may remember from the original Mary Shelley novel, uh, lives Was for two hundred years and fights and fights demons. Wait, no, I don't recall that part. Uh, they made it pretty clear in the movie <laughs> that right after he buries his creator, Doctor Frankenstein, mm-hmm. another scene that's not in the book, because I guess yeah, Mary he buries Shelley him in this like. Applied, this Antarctic uh, chapel or some <laughs> it's, shit. It's so it picks up kind of vaguely where the novel leaves off, where Frank Doctor Frankenstein is hunting the monster in the Arctic, but in, in this version, the doctor dies and the monster, having pity on him, I guess, buries him in yeah this like ruined, Scandinavia, this I guess. ruined cathedral in the middle of the Arctic. It it's, doesn't really yeah, make it's sense be... unless he like he was just carrying Doctor Frankenstein for hundreds or maybe thousands of miles. But uh, while I mean, he's, he's super strong, he uses that super strong power later on to fight demons. That's I'm true, sure but he's he can not carry a one human doctor. Yeah, he's like, like a sack of potatoes. You have to imagine like a day into that, he'd be like, you know what? Why don't I just leave this here? Yeah. and I'll go about my burial at sea now. Yeah, burial at ice. <laughs> have fun uh, eat, being eaten by lobsters, Dad. That's what he would say as he throws Doctor Frankenstein. And, he, and, the, the and Doctor Frankenstein, even though dead, is like, well, the lobster is Miss is Miss Grundy in a costume, right? <laughs> yeah. And Frank, Frankenstein's monster is like, what? I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> now for the now just for the sake of convenience, because we're going to be saying the name a lot, I am going to set. To, I'm going to set break aside your the rule, long-standing... and I'm going to say Frankenstein to mean the monster and yeah. not just the doctor, because it's going to get. Irritating if I keep saying Frankenstein. Why don't you call him by the name that's given to him by the Queen of the Gargoyles? Because we haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> so Frankenstein the monster buries his creator, and that attracts the attention of a bunch of gargoyles who are a bunch of demons. Oh, a bunch of demons. I'm sorry, yeah. a yeah. bunch of man demons. And the way demons are presented in this movie, it's they literally are... like the very end of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And you close the book, you're like, oh man, I, that was a great story. Where could that go? Immediately goes to a demon. Fight. Yeah. Well, you may remember that. Well, the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was designed to be like an episode of True Blood. So the next episode mm-hmm. picks up literally as the last one ends. Yeah, uh, yeah, two people are having sex and then one person explodes in blood. <laughs> yeah. And you may remember also that the end of the book, and this was very controversial at the time, ends with the end, dot, 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 or was it, question mark. Mm-hmm. And then a page that says, Frankenstein's monster will return in, you only live twice. <laughs> Monsters are forever. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I would love that. You know what? That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. If there's not a children's book called Monsters Are Forever, I'd like to You're going to get a tattoo that says Monsters Are Forever on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be like one of those super deformed, cute caricatures of Frankenstein's monster giving two thumbs up. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, but... so these demons appear. And the demons are basically people with monster heads. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. when you kill them, they or burst monster the masks that they clumsily put on over their faces, or like normal faces and one monster hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, we I mentioned when we were watching this that the monsters look less like movie characters or scary monsters and more like the villains from like Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, mm-hmm. like a kids show version of, version or, of a demon, or like a monster bobblehead. That's how. Yeah, because their heads are just kind of a little too big. Are. They all look like they're wearing kind of like Mardi Gras costume heads of monsters. <laughs> or maybe like yeah. demons in like a like Buffy or one of those shows. Hey, not hey. to not. Okay, sorry. I, hey. I don't know. I didn't watch that much Buffy, but that's what I would imagine they'd look like. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, Don't be I, so sensitive. Okay. Basically, as Elliot put it, if we if we switched over to the Sci-Fi Channel and we saw these demons, we'd be like, "Oh, okay, those look right." This is a Sci-Fi Channel mo- original movie level of production design yeah. effects for the most part. There's just more of them. But anyway, so these demons approach the monster and they start fighting him for whatever reason. And a bunch of angel people who, by call the way, immediately stop calling him Frankenstein and start calling mm-hmm. him the monster. <laughs> yeah. I can use synonyms. <laughs> The same same way that sometimes I'll say Stuart and sometimes I'll say Mr. Wellington. Or the and monster. Sometimes and sometimes monster. I'll say the monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or Boy Phantasm. <laughs> Boy <laughs> Phantasm? <laughs> Boy Phantasm, the pool hustler who loves Don Coscarelli. <laughs> You'll love his balls. <laughs> he only plays with his own, his own pool billiard balls that are silver and occasionally drill into people's heads and shoot their blood out. So now we're I gotta warn you I play a good game <laughs> Boy <laughs> uh, So The demons show up Then the gargoyles Which are basically angels That turn into gargoyles That fly around They say <laughs> They're 100% <laughs> angels Turn into gargoyles I, The only they're, reason They're not just angels Is the guy Someone in production Was like Oh, it'd be cooler if they look like gargoyles. Like, I guess so. Okay, let's just make them angel gargoyles. Because those are basically the same and thing. And the characters who are demons, the characters who are gargoyle angels, change back and forth. Gargangels. Gargangels. <laughs> change back and forth between their human and mystic forms at random. Yeah. In the middle of a fight, they'll go from gargoyle to human and back. And the only reason I could I could come up with was that the characters understand the limits of the movie's budget and how many effects <laughs> shots have been Because <laughs> otherwise, but, just stay in one form, dudes. Because you would say that like, maybe they change so they can emote more, but there's a lot of times where they just cut to a, like a gargoyle's rocky visage, like nodding sagely at Frankenstein, or chopping frowning. the shit out of some demons. Or they cut to a human face showing no visible emotion whatsoever because <laughs> the actors aren't very good. Uh, but so the angels... Say the gargoyles, because they only refer to themselves as gargoyles, they save the monster and kidnap him, basically, mm-hmm. right? And they belong to what's called the Order of the Gargoyles, which is just <laughs> angels. And they're fighting a secret war against demons. And They have a special symbol that's, what, a cross with three slashes with on it? With three slashes, because their Jesus, I guess, had six <laughs> arms. He's, doc- <laughs> he's Dr. Octa-Jesus. Yeah, he's some Martian Jesus. Yeah, that- Dr. Octa-Christ, who has six arms and two legs. Or Martian Jesus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, which is a good name for a band. <laughs> but anyway, they explain that there's this long-running war between devils and angels, gargoyles, and the big evil demon whose name was what? Nibirius? Nibirius. Nibirius wants Yeah, it's taken straight mo- out of the Bible, dude. Yeah, uh, is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nibirius wants the monster for some reason they don't understand. Yeah. The monster, it's because he's a magic monster dude. Well, we find out why later, but it's pretty obvious it's because he's a magic monster dude of some kind. Uh, they sell the monster to join them. The monster instead takes two magic weapons that are basically just clubs <laughs> with silver, silver, just big sticks, and goes off to wander the wilderness for 200 years doing nothing but practicing his stick play <laughs> on, on clifftops. And in a movie with a bunch of stupid... Looking fancy weapons. I think it's particularly funny that they, they that thought he picks like the dumbest. Yeah, uh, I'll just have like these things that are basically just two pipes, like <laughs> pipes you'd pick out of a junkyard <laughs> that you beat people with. <laughs> yeah, when thing. he took him, the gargoyles were like, "Really? Okay. <laughs> he is, he is one step away from just beating people to death with a tire iron." <laughs> and I love that. I, love I mean, that an I, actor who looks so much like Christopher Lambert. Has to have a couple shots of him like practicing his kata yeah. on the with long, top of a with mountain. long hair and like a hooded robe. Well, yeah, this is, like as I said, like his outfit in this movie is him wearing an overcoat over a hoodie with little hobo gloves on. So I guess having two pipes as his <laughs> weapon just really completes the idea of like this is like a homeless vigilante. I, he's he, he's it's a blend in, it's dude. hobo with a shotgun if that was Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. But also it's this movie was probably originally I hobo. <laughs> and like they couldn't get the rights to hobos. So they said, what's in the public domain? Oh Frankenstein. Oh we are not gonna do it I Huck Finn. No no we'll make it Frankenstein. <laughs> And they couldn't do a, they couldn't do a Gargoyles the animated series. Uh, no, but I guess Disney yeah. wouldn't let the license go because they're they want to do that Avengers Gargoyles <laughs> crossover, and they're like, well, you can't copyright the idea of a gargoyle. <laughs> yeah, take take that lawsuit to 17th century France, my good man. <laughs> so. Uh, the monster has refused to join the gargoyles, but then one day in the woods, a bunch of demons attack him, and he decides it's now his mission to hunt down and kill all the demons before they can hunt him. He walks to civilization. Yeah, he won't do which, it for good reasons. He'll do it for revenge, though. Yeah, he walks to civilization, which is represented by a kind of Englandy, Canadiany, French, German Eastern town. Eastern European. And all we know is this town has one nightclub. Mm-hmm. A, a public transit train system, mm-hmm. a kind of university-type building with a lab in it, an old cathedral, and a shitload of abandoned buildings. Like, for all we know, this is Detroit, because no one seems to live there, and yeah. half the buildings are just And there's gargoyles all over the and place. And there's gargoyles like crazy, just like Detroit, yeah. As you pointed out, and it took me a while to realize this, but it's totally Aaron true. Aaron character would totally blend into Detroit. Uh, other... <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's, a, he's a screwed-up-looking guy dressed like a hobo. Other than the scene where we go to the club... Uh, Dr. Frankenstein at the beginning, and then like the love interest lady and her coworker. And her coworker. There are no non supernatural characters in this movie. Like none. The streets are empty. Anytime there are almost no extras in the entire yeah. movie. And anytime there's a street scene, the streets are just empty and full of smoke. Yeah. And it's like the youth it's kinda like this is taking place in a corner of Dark City, you know. If you ever see extras, those extras are either gargoyles or demons. Yeah. And anytime the stakes are described, it's always well, there's, we can't let the demons wipe out all the gargoyles. 
and humanity. <laughs> yeah, the because there's a moment where you're like, well, they're just gargoyle monsters. Oh, What's I guess the, like, they're the not three worried people about, that live there. Yeah, like, that's no. why they're not human, worried about humanity. It's like it's like I am legend situation. Like and, there's that one guy. And we also find out later that the hero's lair and the villain's lair and down you find the street out that, from each other. And so you find really, out that, that one guy you thought was a was a human was just like a mummy or some shit. Like or a creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh what are you talking about? You're saying yeah. the three humans that live Hell. in town, you're like, oh, they're all Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one turned out to be an alien, one was a robot, <laughs> and the other was like a mouse that had a spell cast on him. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, so it's conceivable that this epic battle between good and evil is happening in like an abandoned, rundown neighborhood in Montreal somewhere. <laughs> but uh, the point is, uh, his going after the demons is getting the gargoyles mad because, as the queen of the gargoyles tells him, these, this war must be fought in the shadows. Now, why? There's no people to see it anyway. The CGI looks less crappy. <laughs> in oh. the light, the CGI doesn't look as good. Now, here's something I never understood about these movies. Okay. How come... What are these movies, by the way? Epic battles between good and evil that happen in the shadows your of our world. Underworlds, okay. your legions. Your unders world, your legions, your night's watch, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Sure. How come the battle has to be fought in the shadows? You'd think... So, if these angels and demons are fighting each other, this means... This is the organizing metaphysical principle of the universe, that there is a god, there is a devil, there is pure good and pure evil, and they are fighting for the fate of mankind. So why does it have to be a secret? The same way in R.I.P.D., it's like ghosts are always trying to catch ghosts that are escaping hell, but we can't let mortals know about it. Well, why not? I don't understand what's going to happen that's so bad. Why can't they know? Maybe they could help you. Like, what, what would be better in your fight against demons than if you had, like, an army of marines armed with your magic weapons that could just fight a bunch of demons since the demons seem to have no powers other than having goofy monster faces. Well, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll trump your metaphysical problem which is with something that I also mentioned competing, during the movie, I mean, which is in these movies uh, about a grand fight between good and evil, there's always the implication that there is some sort of god, god figure here, some organizing principle. And if that's true... Why does this all-powerful God, and maybe this is just a problem with religion in general, why does this all-powerful God need a bunch of foot soldiers to, like, fist fight against well, it looks bad awesome. guys? You might as well ask Dan, why is there evil then at all if there's an all-powerful God? And I would point you to Time Bandits, and <coughs> Ralph Richardson says something about good and evil, or something, something about, about free, free will, will, I suppose. Yeah. That's as good an answer as anyone's ever going to come up with. So mm-hmm. thank you, Terry Gilliam, for doing yeah. that. So no, I thank you. At least but, for Brothers Grimm. <laughs> at least that movie treats that as a joke, though. Yeah, but it's a joke that has a that has a it, it, meaning it, to it. it yeah, it has know. meaning. Something about free will. I mean, I think there's two point, uh, two possible but answers that, to your But that question, applies right? to humans. The evil that humans do has to do with uh, free will. I you're, what you're the trying I, to say is the evil that men do the, lives on and on. <laughs> the evil that men do lives on and on. All right. Oh, wow. The evil. You can the hit the high evil. notes. I cannot hit the high notes. I'm just saying that, uh, yeah. There's, there's a reason th- that my Iron Maiden cover band, Fear of the Dark, did not get off the ground. Exactly. Also, I was it's, all, it's all bass? <laughs> you know, free deep will. baritone? Free will <laughs> creates evil in humanity. But if you're talking about creatures of pure good and pure evil, as I believe that this movie posits, then why yeah, there's can't nothing just more like good God than just a, a come in and gargoyle with like those. a magic axe thing? Maybe yeah. then here's this. I then I would say this is a world where God has created and then left. A deist universe. 
Uh, a D-list universe, yeah. yeah. Which is a Kathy Griffin running it. <laughs> My, so yeah. That explains it. Yeah, the creation of life on the D-list. Yeah. So anyway, moving on with the movie, because the reason this movie no, exists... No, no, let's talk about <laughs> questions of philosophy. I would love to, but we've got to talk about fucking I, Frankenstein. Because <laughs> that's, the, that's the modus operandi of this podcast. Yeah. Or else we're going to get uh, people up in arms... Burning us an effigy that we don't talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah, it happens. People complain about it. I would love if this podcast created so much passion that someone burned us an effigy. I think that's kind of a monkey's paw wish, and I don't want you to make it. I think that sounds better in your head than it does in real life. All right. Fair enough. Uh, actually, you know what? Just give me that monkey's paw. I don't trust you with it. No, I was going to wish for unlimited wishes. No, but they all turn bad. Oh... Anyway. I was gonna try. I was gonna wish that the fingers curl up in a special way, so it leaves with one middle finger up, so I get <laughs> sass people with my monkey's paw. You're like, sure, all the wishes blew back on me in an ironic way, but take a look at this. <laughs> like that guy's drive down the street holding the monkey's paw. <laughs> that the guy's window. flipping me off with his one weird monkey hand. Wait a minute, he's just holding that. He pulled Stuart, it into his that shirt sleeve. That monkey's flipping me off. <laughs> Stuart, don't you want to use that last wish? No, that's the middle finger wish. You got to keep that one. So anyway, gargoyles are fighting demons. The mm-hmm. demons are led by Bill Nighy. The who science is, course, guy. <laughs> <laughs> the science guy. Yep. Uh, so let's Got just say it. one thing about Nailed this movie. It. Aside from Aaron Eckhart, everybody is like a British or British English Commonwealth actor, it seems. Mm-hmm. And this movie seems like less of a movie and more of like some kind of UK government welfare program to distribute subsidies to English actors in exchange for spouting shitty exposition dialogue in movies. Because it's, yeah. it's this is it's called elevating the material. It's, it's exhibit A of we're going to hire British actors so that when they're talking about the I'm going to so that when they talk about I've I've collected thousands of corpses so that we can bring them back with electricity and then put demon yeah. souls. You're in like them. that sounds reasonable. You know what? This doesn't sound goofy as I'll get out because an English guy is saying it. I will say, elevating material, and this is the one moment that justifies the movie's existence, is there's a moment where Bill Nighy responds skeptically to somebody by raising a single eyebrow, and it is beautiful the way he does it. (laughs) It is just the right blend of uh, acting talent and camp uh, inherent comedy. I I love that guy. I'm sad that he's... Spend so much time in these sorts of movies. I'd, lo- I'd love to see an aging Bill Nye play. Uh, you mean Bill Nye? He's yeah. aging already. Yeah. <laughs> well, him playing uh, Dr. Frankenfurter in the <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, that'd be show. great. What if they did like the Rocky Horror Picture Show 20 years later reunion? And it's those characters but later. I mean, I know they all die at the end. I mean, that sounds <laughs> like, like a Goonie sequel. Like, I don't want to hey, see that. let's all meet up here in 30 years. <laughs> let's meet up at the place where the house was. Let, you, you, let's meet up at the place where our where lives Riff were Raff destroyed. And Magenta <laughs> took the house up into space. Uh, Riff Raff and Magenta are on the, are on the planet Transylvania. Yeah. And they're like, hey, whatever happened to Brad and Janet? And they just decided to go back yeah. And, yeah. and find just out. Yeah. It's the Rocky Horror Big Chill Show. Yeah. Oh, man. And they dance to Motown classics. This is a million dollar idea. Richard O'Brien, wherever you are. This is not a million dollar us. idea. What was the name of the Shock, Shock Treatment? Shock Treatment, yeah. It was okay. the sequel. Which uh, is. Uh, it's an interesting movie. I've never seen it. It's one of those movies like Listomania where I want to see it, but it's not going to live up to what I want it to be. I mean, it doesn't. It does not even live up to Rocky Horror, but it's an interesting a movie, movie in, I don't in, particularly in, in its care own for right. In its own way. 
I, it's I too like much it. singing for your taste. You know what? Well, yeah, because I hate singing. Uh, I, you know, if I watch Rocky Horror now, I'd probably enjoy it more. I, I saw it a lot when I was in like high school. Right. I had friends who loved it, and I think it was. I just got tired of. I it. I think it actually suffers from its cult. I think it works better divorced from its cult in my mind. Like, uh, but what about the children? What if they get divorced? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going with this. So, movie. I Frankenstein. Uh, basically, so, they're all fighting. So they want to learn Dr. Frankenstein's secret of bringing people back to life so that they can bring back these bodies and put demon souls in them and have an army of demons that takes over the world or shit. And so they want either the monster or they want Dr. Frankenstein's journal. And the rest of the movie is just these characters running around looking for this journal and fighting each other. And there's a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of tension because the gargoyles want to, I don't know, they're... <clears throat> their designs are at odds with Fran. Uh, they don't trust Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein has his. It won't go with the gargoyle. There's way. one cocky gargoyle. Well, Frankenstein doesn't by, have a soul. Uh, they think Frankenstein doesn't have a soul, and so he is the wild card in this. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it turns out he does. Spoiler yeah. alert! Spoiler. I'm going to skip to the very end of the movie. There's also a pretty scientist who I guess is set up as a love interest yeah, for Frankenstein. Sure. She's played by Ivan Strahovski. Perfect pronunciation. Yeah. Stravinsky. Yeah. Stravinsky. She was in uh, Chuck and she's currently in the 24 miniseries. And she, she was in the Mass Effect series yeah, of video she was, games. She was in that one episode of Louis. She played the, the, the model he sleeps with. The oh, Hamptons. that he punches by accident. Yeah. So, you know, so she's a pretty lady. I'll say that. So that was so that was the evidence you were presenting for the actress in this movie being pretty. I, yeah, I don't know. I was just try, you know I'm trying to relate to the audience. I'm trying to by listing the credits of, a, let of them an actress. Know who this yeah, person yeah. is. Anyway, the you point know, I'm is, I'm trying to wrap up. Her Mr. Skin rating. The only person he can trust is this scientist. She fixes his wounds by sewing him up as if he didn't have enough in, this lo- in his body already. Yeah, in this weird apartment, in I guess? In his squatter apartment that Stuart mm. aptly described as looking like a level in a Batman video game. <laughs> it's just like the most falling apart, rotting well, you, apartment. You always and see Frankenstein these. sleeps off his wounds from a demon fight while she reads the entirety of the doctor's journal. Yeah, and... Cover to cover. There are many cliches that are seen in this movie. One of them is this apartment where you see like... In these movies where it's just, uh, it's crumpling plaster and you see the skeleton of the wooden uh, slats through the walls and that's always the case and I'm always like, really? Who's like, the landlord? Yeah, how are they, <laughs> how are all these supernatural creatures finding these uh, places to squat in? Well, but there's in, also like... In another movie that'd be weird, but as we see in this movie, every building is abandoned. Yeah. There's no people there. But also early on, there was that scene where they go to the club and it's just like... This is all that supernatural characters do in movies is they go to club where house music plays. Yeah, that's all they want to do. A club that is not even that full. Not Mm. that full, very well lit. Yeah. Strangely enough for like an electronica house music dance club. It's better lit than the rest of the movie. Like better (laughs) lit than the gargoyle fights. It's lit like a doctor's waiting room. (laughs) (laughs) You could easily read a magazine. People are reading highlights for kids. (laughs) Just a kid. Highlight, highlights for, for, for gargoyles. A lot of people are having fun with a purpose <laughs> a in that club. I can't remember. I can't remember what stupid bullshit. Oh, this, this yeah. Ranger yeah. Rick is all about gargoyles. Huh? For gargoyles. Oh, look at this issue. Goofus uh, and Gargoyle. And gargoyle. <laughs> Goofus doesn't help his mother clean the table. Gargoyle fights the forces of evil. And let me mention this that there are somehow fewer gargoyles than demons. But the gar- the power ratio is so stacked for the gargoyles who can fly, 
have super strength, are made of stone, have magic weapons, while the demons just kind of run around. Basically, look like killed. stuntmen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's they are they are these demons. Their only proper matchup would be between them and the angels from Legion. Yeah, who were so incredibly killable. <laughs> they, these are the same way where it's like. I just imagine these demons running into things and exploding, yeah. and that's their whole if life. If you put, like, a thumbtack in these demons, they burst into flame. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of wish that they could meet with the vampires from the Blade movies and have a long <laughs> talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, maybe we should come up with some strategy, or... Maybe um, we should, like, get stuff. Maybe we'll trade. Let's trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the we old just work out for a while, line. man. Like, you know, <laughs> hit the gym before we do this. <laughs> or maybe, like, we should bring weapons to the fights, too. So it's not just us running yeah. into axes. I kind of feel like the gargoyles fill the role of, like, the werewolves. Because werewolves are usually, like, the big tough guy that fights off a legion of stuntmen monsters. I guess so. I mean, in in this type in of this type movie. Of movie. I feel like the gargoyles fill the role <laughs> of... Magic like, angel heroes? Yeah, who are not totally good guys because the main character doesn't see eye to eye with them. But anyway, <clears throat> the, for, the gargoyles keep losing even though they're super powerful and the demons are super weak. Uh, the bad guys get the get Dr. Frankenstein's journal. They force the scientists to figure out how to revive people. They start revi- They start sending electricity <laughs> to these thousands of bodies they have suspended underground. In and a matrix. In this kind of like steampunk matrix yeah. setup. But what's great is that each one of them has a screen on their chest that says, uh, that says reviving, and then the percentage... Reanimating. Reanimating. Reanimating, and then the percentage they're reanimated, as if... <laughs> Like every That's person. an important piece of information we <laughs> need to yeah. have. As if every person has like a computer like like startup a, yeah, bar. Yeah, a digital <laughs> clock has been hooked up to them, a countdown clock. And I yeah. think, Dan, you made the point that for people who didn't know how to revive dead bodies, they seem to have the perfect apparatus already set up for reviving dead bodies. To show how reanimated they are. And like, what is... What is the idea of like someone who's fifty percent reanimated? <laughs> well, I think they, I like, think I'm like, looking at them right now, man. <laughs> well, like their legs are like dancing. Their, yeah, their <laughs> yeah, legs are from the waist down. They're moving around. Yeah, it was like when I was. <laughs> they've all got happy feet. Yeah, I like that they've already like they've already developed the technology to determine how reanimated a dead body is. <laughs> was it, it was, was it like when I was uh, recovering from knee surgery and I felt like I was in the Kill Bill movie and I was like looking down at my like toes and I'm like, all right, move, move. Well, no, when you're... When That's you're, 25% reanimated. Yeah, when you're, yeah. When you're 25% reanimated, you're like kind of listless. Yeah, 50% right. reanimated, you're like, uh, I guess I could do something. And 100%, you're like, yeah, let's go let's go out. This will be fun. Let's yeah. get dinner. Yeah. 75% is like, you want to get brunch? It's like, I don't know. Uh, how long are we going to have to wait? What's the weather like? Let me check. But so, uh, skipping all the way to the end, Bill Nighy reveals his demon form, which I got to admit, he's the boss demon. I assumed. Oh, this is after. He is boss. This is after. Uh, <laughs> he's totally let me just say he's Bruce Springsteen. Let me just say that Frankenstein's monster has, and I'm saying it again because it's just second nature to me. Frankenstein's monster shows himself to the gargoyles who hate him and want to kill him because he uh, killed one of the gargoyles when he was attacked. He shows up, then walks down the street like a block. Yeah, the a bad guys blocks, hide yeah. out. The bad guys come out and fight, and the gargoyles are like, he's like he led us right to them, to of course. Uh, which means the gargoyles are hella dumb. That they didn't notice this was <laughs> going on. They can fly. They can fly, and they didn't notice that. They didn't ever say, "Hey, these gargoyles run away from us all the time." Let's these these demons mm. run away from us. Let's fly above them and follow them and see what builds. It's a simple mistake to. because they look very similar, except one has wings and the other has, uh, I guess, a mask on. Except or? the demons all wear suits, and the gargoyles all wear like 
immortals style mm. leather, you know, outfits. like skirts and yeah, they're all dressed like it's three hundred breech clouts. Yeah, uh, so they're fighting, and Bill Nighy reveals himself to Frankenstein. I thought he was going to be like a real cool-looking demon with, like, wings or something, or he'd look like Tim Curry in Legend or the bad guy at the end of Fantasia. But no, he's just got a monster he's head tall. on. He's just tall. He's just tall. Like a bigger version of the other guys. He's just slightly taller than the other monsters yeah. and has more horns on his head. But, uh, and he is going to put a demon soul into Frankenstein. And at that point, you're like, uh, I just kind of want to see more of Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd rather see the special feature where Bill Nye explains how his agent negotiated his contract <laughs> for the movie. He explains how much money he got for the movie and what he did with it. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know what? I, don't make the movie. Just give him Bill Nye the money and hire a crew, three guys, follow yeah. him around all day and let him spend millions of dollars and see yeah. what he buys. Make it it'd be kind of like the trip. Yeah. <laughs> With just Bill Nighy. Yeah. And you know what? Bring Steve Coogan in. Why yeah, not? Why not? Two of them. It can't be that expensive. No. It not, can't be as expensive as making I, Frankenstein. <laughs> For half the price, you get twice the movie. Yeah. Anyway, so Frank, the demon tries to put a bad soul in Frankenstein, but turns out Frankenstein... You mean against, a demon. But yeah. Frankenstein tries... Against, <laughs> not just like some asshole kid or anything. No, no, a demon, demon soul. Yeah, not yeah, like... Yeah, the kid from Problem Child. <laughs> sure. He's not, he's not trying to put <laughs> the... <laughs> put, Thanks for reminding me that's a movie. <laughs> uh, that's a movie, too. He's not trying to put the soul of, like, Eleanor Roosevelt in there because her time was cut short and she, there's more good for her to do on the earth. <laughs> The uh, And uh, Frankenstein has a lot of hellfire flying out of his eyes, but then it turns out he has a soul already. The bad soul is rejected, and he kills the head demon, and the head demon's death is so explosive that I guess it destroys all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything. And the gargoyles, meanwhile, are as slowly as possible destroying these reanimated bodies, just kind of like hitting them one at a time or just like knocking like, down a rack of them. Like pinatas. <laughs> yeah. and uh, But they all blow up anyway, so it doesn't matter. The gargoyles didn't even need to be there the whole time. And Frankenstein decides. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, they, Frankenstein. It's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's this movie is just like Raiders of the Lost Ark in that one thing, and in no other quality whatsoever. If the gargoyles did nothing, if the bad guys got Frankenstein and tried to do that thing, he, they still would have lost. They still would have lost. Yeah, the gargoyles could have taken the day off. You know what, gargoyles? <laughs> Frankenstein should have been like, I got this one. And at the end of the movie, he kind of did. Yeah, the gargoyles didn't true. listen. He, he at the end of the movie. He accepts his new role as protector of humanity and fighter of demons. Mm-hmm. And he, he takes his two sticks he and he takes goes his, out of the night. And he takes on the name Frankenstein and se- declares himself yeah, I, I guess, Frankenstein. I which guess. I just realized is what a pirate would say if he was agreeing to what Frankenstein just said. <laughs> I, Frankenstein. But I, do, but I do think it's weird because I guess that means that the character arc in this movie is that Frankenstein accepts that the guy... That he killed the guy's wife of and left to freeze in the Arctic is his true father. Yeah, I guess he had issues with the guy, and at the end he accepts him, and that's it. If he brings closure to him, I don't think that's as crazy as. He and did. he he came to that by beating the shit out of a bunch of demons now, with right. sticks. That's why it seems weird to me. <laughs> I don't not sure why that provided closure for his daddy issues. Yeah. Um. Well, this is a pretty dumb movie. Yeah. We should we should we should go on. This to, was written by the guy who wrote the Underworld movies, and it, it feels like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is a, and it has the similar visual style of gray. It's not as gray as the Underworld movies, but if you like your horror adventure, science fiction, fantasy action movies, super gray and dim, and not particularly interesting to look at or watch <clears> the story of. Hey, 
try this movie, I Frankenstein. And if you want to see Aaron Eckhart act, I would recommend watching interviews in with him. Man. <laughs> interviews with him describing I Frankenstein, where he explains how Frankenstein is the original loner, the original antihero, the original party animal, the original party <laughs> animal, and how this is a story. This is a character story you need to, who needed to be told. I want him to say that was Frankenstein was the original Herman Munster. <laughs> <laughs> but the, here's the th- that that reminds me of something that someone said online. That was really funny when Channing Tatum was talking about how psyched he is to play Gambit or something. I forget it was who said it, but I wish that their favorite thing is when the celebrity now has to explain why they've always wanted to play the superhero they just heard about. <laughs> and it feels kind of like, sure, certainly Aaron Heckard had heard of Frankenstein before. Frankenstein's a part of our popular consciousness, has been so for 200 years now, roughly. Uh and he but, gets to play this new badass hobo version. But why? But why Frankenstein is the role he, he wanted to play so badly when he gives it so little energy and so little of his acting talent. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, move on to final judgments, whether this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Elliot, what do you got to say? This is a bad, bad movie. Yeah. I got to say, I am totally, and I'm usually a purist in a lot of things. There have been so many different versions of Frankenstein that I'm totally open to a complete reimagining. Frankenstein's going to survive. It's like, uh, Hamlet. Like, if I see a bad production of Hamlet, I'm like, that's cool. I'll see another one again. Eventually, the play's 400 years old. It's not going away because this one bad production. Like, Frankenstein will survive this. So if you said to me, we're going to make a movie where Frankenstein's monster is kind of like an action hero who fights demons, I'd say that sounds stupid, but maybe there's a fun way to do it. But they didn't do it. You know? um, Instead, they tried to make him like a dark, brooding Batman type, and it, but throw in a crap load of underworld stuff, and it doesn't work. I'm going to say it's a bad, bad movie, and I'm going to take the counterpoint, actually, to what you just said, which is that um, I don't mind the idea of a reimagining of Frankenstein, but this particular reimagining of Frankenstein is the most boring. Oh no, it's the laziest, and, dullest way they could do it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just angry at the trend these days, where it just seems to be like, let's take anything in the world and plug it into like a typical superhero narrative, and that's what all act- modern action movies seem to be. Certainly, all modern like fantasy action movies are like, let's well, take. It's, it's similar to how something and everything. It's it's similar to how with like. Alice in Wonderland yeah. and stuff like that, and Snow White and the Huntsman. It's like let's take a fairy tale or a fantasy thing and just make it a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, even if it has, even if that doesn't speak to the spirit of the story at all. In the case of like Alice in Wonderland, right? But I, but I think Frankenstein's I mean, is, a little bit is, more malleable than that. It is, at but I mean, point, like this the, is in at, that. Uh, at this point, the character is so far divorced from the story, and you could find a new way to make him an adventure hero that's not just this bland kind of superhero filler that's true I, I, I i'm just tired of it's basically the same um uh, a blinking vampire hunter template no that's true well i think you guys are fucking crazy what this movie <laughs> was great you have a queen of the gargoyles played by miranda otto uh delivering her best judy dench style monologues uh and she only seems to have one set of clothes <laughs> And there's an evil, evil gargoyle played by Jai Courtney. He's from, not really evil. I mean, I he's just he's, kind of—he's just got a bad attitude. I mean, gratitude, if you will. Okay, so I think he's evil. And then uh, there's all other kinds of stuff, like the writer of the movie gets to play one of the bad guys. <laughs> there's a bit where they electrocute this rat, and it comes back to life. That shit's amazing. You guys are nuts. <laughs> okay, Steve. I Frankenstein. I a fan. <laughs> I Fanenstein. That was the most ironic <laughs> Final Judgments. I, you know what they should have made? 
I Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer takes a, takes a little break from directing movies to fight gargoyles and demons. But all of his Hollywood friends come to help him. Burt Lancaster, the ghost of Robert F. Kennedy. It, it would be great. I Frankenheimer. Or if, or if I Frankenstein stands for Ignatius Frankenstein, and it was a cross between Frankenstein and Confederacy of Dunces. Or it stood for... It stood for... Isaac Frankenstein, the son of Al Franken and Ben Stein, who got married and, and adopted a baby. <laughs> Call us Hollywood. Um, but before we move on to letters... I um, guess what I'm saying is the golem was the original Frankenstein. Yeah. Sure. Protecting the ghetto of Prague. You're talking about, of course, uh, what's-his-face? The star of the wrestler. <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah, Rourke, the golem. Go- golem. Here's, uh, speaking of ghettos... Andy Serkis did an amazing job how come they, portraying yes, Mickey Rourke <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. <laughs> how come during the black exploitation horror phase that brought us Blackula and Blackenstein, there was no Black Golem? Mm-hmm. It's a ghetto story. It's a ghetto story. You just have you just make it set it in the inner city instead of in. Yeah, it's the a palette swap, <laughs> and you make it. Well, it wasn't a shtetl. It was the, it was. It was a Jewish quarter, but anyway, that's besides the point. Right. It was in a city rather than a village. I'm sorry, but uh, it's okay. But uh, Black Golem, hey, somebody go back in time and make it, along with Orlando. Um. So before we move on, we'd like to thank our sponsor, as they have been for the last couple episodes, uh, Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website portfolio. An online store. Wait, my own? Yeah. Even I, Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. Even you, Frankenstein. <laughs> if you want to put up some videos of your like awesome kata with mm-hmm. your stick <laughs> stick attacks. If you, Frankenstein, want to show yourself beating up some demons. Show your enemies with what they're streaming video. And where would I get the tools to make that site? You would do that at Squarespace. Uh, for a free trial and 10% off that free trial, visit squarespace.com slash flophouse and enter the offer code Flophouse at checkout. Um, and look, Squarespace makes it simple and easy. You don't need to know HTML. Good, because I do not. You can just uh, you can just uh, use their tools to design a beautiful website uh, using their uh, pre-made templates. It's got drag-and-drop content. It's got 24-7 support through live chat and email. If you don't know how to do it, even with the easy tools they provide, you can talk to a support person at any time. Um, plans start at eight dollars a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And it's got responsive design, like Aquafan or the Flophouse Podcast. Mm-hmm. I think someone took Flophouse butts already. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I mean, that just redirects to our website. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thank you, whoever bought Flophouse yeah, butts. Yeah, it. And now you have to just have to buy Flophouse Wives butts. But, um... For Dan. Yeah. But, um... But, um... But talking about Squarespace, because it's hip to be square. Yeah. Squarespace, that is. If you want to, uh, <laughs> Use Squarespace <laughs> to design your website now. You can start a trial with no credit card required uh, today, and you can go to Squarespace using the offer code FLOPHOUSE to get 10% off your first purchase and it's supposed to show your support for us. And I believe in this house. product so much, I'm not going to make fun of you for saying offer quote just now. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. So what was the site again? Squarespace.com? Squarespace.com. For all your web development needs? That's true. And the offer quote was Flophouse? <laughs> it was. <laughs> and that great. quote. I'm signing up tonight. Thanks, guys. So um, now we're moving on to letters. 
from listeners like you, the one who's listening to us right now. Great. Are you going to so, hear oh. your letter tonight? You There's the always that moment where you, you think jump it's up and fright. My letter, my mm. letter. It couldn't be better. My letter on the flop house tonight. Maybe, but might. Could they read my letter tonight? <laughs> a little internal rhyme. I on sent this. in my letter. Couldn't forget her. Sending in that letters of <laughs> the flop house. <laughs> Will the flop house read my letter? I don't know. For freestyle. Maybe I'll eat a chunk of cheddar <laughs> while I wait for the right. flop well, house to read right some now, letters. I know that little... my flop house guys are my betters. Flop house, read my letter. Tonight, tonight, tonight. They'll read my words. A little tonight. bit of modulation there. The I like words I typed and sent into the house. Oh, yeah. You didn't hold that note that well. Though. <laughs> Look, it's late at night. That letter I wrote, I meant it note for note. The letter that I wrote to those flop guys. <laughs> no, a little higher, a little pitchy on that one. All right. Well, um,. When you write letters, oh, you write boy. letters to the flop house from your first letter to the other one you wrote. <laughs> write us a letter and we'll read it someday. When you're a fan, you very, write letters. Very West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this first letter. Um, a letter. <laughs> oh, We're about to read faster, you a dude. letter. <laughs> And suddenly you'll hear the letter that's so near your ear. I was looking for a title to the letter, but the website, the new website doesn't have titles, so that was what was confusing me. The new uh, website? Um, a lot of people are writing in through the website now oh, rather than dr- emailing directly, and so we don't get the subject headings, which... Well, um, I guess they lost you have to make it up. So this <laughs> one has no title, uh, but this gentleman writes, I write to admonish, praise, and question. First, the admonishment. I wrote some time ago to thank you for helping me get through a very tough time. Well, I didn't expect You're my, welcome. Well, I didn't expect my email to get read. I was hoping it would at least let you know how much I've enjoyed the sweet, free, golden entertainment you've provided to me. Imagine my surprise when I tuned into the next episode to hear Dan chastising the listeners for not being concerned enough with his knee injury, <laughs> which he probably got performing some sort of pervy activity. You know it. Needless to say, sex. I fell into a miasma of depression and guilt. He has asthma. Rending my garments and smearing ashes on my face. I have only now recovered. As Howling for the praise, more. I mean, all you need to do to recover from that is wash your face and put new clothes on. Mm-hmm. As for the praise, you guys rock. Every episode seems to get better, and I have to say, I think that I Until think this one. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I think the leader of the group, who is far too un- unappreciated for his comedic sensibilities and wry personality, has Thank finally you, gotten finally. you. All whipped oh, into you. shape. So I say thank you to you, Flophouse Housecat. What? For working your management magic. I see what he did there. Classic <laughs> bait and switch. The old misdirect. Uh, oh, sorry, misdirect. Mm-hmm. Finally, questions. Elliot. That's me. Being a history buff, do you have any Revolutionary War history books you would recommend? Stuart. Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> That's, yeah, I guess it's a young adult let me, novel. Let me get through these and we'll, we'll circle back. Stuart. Why Coors Light? Why, oh, why, Coors Light? Dan, what happened to your hook hands? Did you have surgery to get them replaced with less hook-like implements, such as mannequin hands? Keep on flopping forever. Peter, last name withheld. So, Elliot, uh, do you have any revelation? I do, actually, and uh, come back to me, because I'm going to look up the author of the book. Okay, I'll, I'll jump on mine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Coors Light because it's super watery. Mm-hmm. And it's like drinking vitamin water if it made me stupider as opposed <laughs> to better at stuff. It kills it's like, werewolves. So instead of smart water, it does, it's yep. dumb water. Yep. A dumb waiter. Um, I mean, and, I drink a ton of other stuff, but this is... As to what happened to my hook hands, they were replaced by much more insulting and personally damaging uh, traits that people have imposed on me, like being boring. Oh, and, and uh, yeah, nobody imposed lameness. that one on you, Dan. Are you which ones? Who are you or Elliot the homophobe? Um, I was supposed no. to be the homophobe. Elliot was supposed to be the racist. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm I'm boring, Elliot. That's why I have reached a a position of success in New York comedy, and I have whoa have uh, produced this successful podcast. It was through the sheer boredom I mean, of my personality. You were so bored with your personality, you were forced to do other things. <laughs> well, that's partly true. And the Revolutionary War book that I would recommend, you're right, yeah. Dan, you're not boring. You're merely boorish. Uh, <laughs> that's true. The uh, I would recommend a book called Patriots, The Men Who Started the American Revolution by A.J. Langeth, which I found to be very readable and uh, dramatic and also uh, educational book about the american revolution okay so the so langoliers yeah, by stephen there's King. also and yeah john and tremaine <laughs> and by if you that guy read, who wrote it if you want to read particularly about one battle there's a good book called the battle of brooklyn about the battle of brooklyn which took place in Mayan stewart's neighborhood but before we moved in okay um this next but letter not before frankenstein moved in well frankenstein <laughs> lived in brooklyn for a while yeah i think so <laughs> now he lives in williamsburg Ugh, that guy so this says to the floppers, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now and I finally made my way through most of the back catalog. I think your constant outpouring of love for that vivacious bubbly scamp Mads Mickelson has finally rubbed up on me, culminating in a dream I had last night in which Mads and walking human thumb Andrew Zim- Zimmern <laughs> traveled <laughs> the world like, okay, I can see that. Yeah. eating exotic foods. <laughs> or people's. Things didn't stay wholesome for long as Mad soon found himself embroiled in a Russian political coup. <laughs> I was aroused from my dream before its conclusion, but it left me wondering, what kind of adventure would you like to see Mads involved in? And keep it PG. I know how you guys are when it comes to that guy. <laughs> Thanks for the last, fellas. Jim, last name withheld. I mean, well, PG back in the day used to be way crazy. Oh, yeah. They used to have PG comedies with nudity in them. Where mm-hmm. a Teen Wolf could surf on top of a van back in the day. I mean, he could still do that probably to be. <laughs> yeah, but that would be R. No, no. That's no a fair way. example. I'm just <laughs> Teen Wolf in a van. <laughs> Not like that. Tanya Roberts nude and Beastmaster well, or something like well, that. Don't you, well, don't you. I thought you were going to do uh, Sheena. Well, Sheena, too. That's the don't you like remember there's, how. There's Toplessness and Caddyshack, and that was, I think. No, that, that I was, was going to say, don't you remember that movie, uh, when that movie The Program came out, where the, the football, football players movie? were like yeah. lying down in the middle of the road, and well, they cut that scene. some yeah. idiots actually got ran over. Sorry, you know, respect for the dead and all, but they, they were lying down on the road but and that, got but ran Teen over. But Wolf, nobody tried to surf on a van. And, are you and kidding and me? Everybody was. <laughs> that shit was awesome. So you're saying... Do you, are you a Styles or are you a, a Teen Wolf, Elliot? I am one of the guys hanging out elsewhere in the high school. <laughs> I don't think I fit into either one. You're the guy with his penis out of his pants. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the guy in the last scene tucking his penis back into his pants in the stands of the basketball stadium. Yeah, basketball court. Anyway. Oh, so what was the question? So the, the question was, what would Sorry Matt? About course. Let me just say, what adventure would I like to see Mads Mikkelsen in? There are no adventures I wouldn't like to see Mads Mikkelsen in. Maybe he's fighting demons with the help of some gargoyles. Sure, that's fine. But let me just let me just. 
put one little thing in your mind, a little thing called Jurassic Mads. <laughs> you figure it out. <clears throat> I would like to see Mads Mikkelsen in an old-style Broadway musical. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. I'd like to see a movie where Mads Mikkelsen plays an English teacher in a tough high school, and he has to get some kids to... You know, to stop, to straighten up and fly yeah, around, stop fooling around, and mm-hmm. show realize up to class. their full potential. Or maybe, maybe he's a summer school teacher, and he's got a, a motley crew of students who don't pay attention, and mm-hmm. he has to help them all pass summer school and also keep his job. Speaking of which, Christy Alley was in summer school. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, I just wanted to confirm that I, what are you I checked s- it up after the last episode. Oh, okay, I thought you were implying that we couldn't do a remake of Summer School with Mads Mikkelsen and Christy Alley at a falling out or yeah, something. Yeah, the two of them hate each other. Just so you know, famously, before you make that, famously, before you do that Look Who's Talking reboot with Mads Mikkelsen before, as the baby, before you he and Christy Alley cannot be in the same room. Before you put... Kirsty Alley. I say keep Before you put Christy Mads Alley. Mikkelsen in a new Veronica's Closet series, no... Before, they will not work before you let Mads Mikkelsen voice the bullets in the remake of Runaway. <laughs> um, before you do that new version, before you do Cheers, the next generation. Yeah. So this letter. It's cheers, but on a spaceship. This letter is titled Hitting the Big Time. I think that would work. <laughs> it's, it's basically. It's Guinan, basically. We'll be, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> think about it. Keep triggering people to go to the holodeck and get shot by a time again. <laughs> This letter is titled, Hitting the Big Time. Dear Flophousers, I was listening to one of your old podcasts wherein Dan was lamenting he had no Wikipedia page. Curious to see if this heinous crime had been rectified in the ensuing years, I was delighted to see that it had, though I was shocked to see it had been nominated for deletion some years ago (laughs) and not being noteworthy enough. For shame, Wikipedia. But I was even more delighted to see that Stuart now has his own page as well. Thank you, Matt Carmen. I'm wondering now if Dan and Elliot have seen any changes to Stuart in the months since he became a Wikipedia superstar. Has the fame gone to his head now that he's achieved what I assume was his life goal? I assume he was constantly being <laughs> yeah, stopped in it. the streets. Even before That's there was it. a Wikipedia, that was his goal. <laughs> I assume he's constantly being stopped in the streets by people asking for his autograph and has to deal with a paparazzi following day and night. I hope that he will remain the same old Stuart, still delighting in movies where people get their ding-dongs ripped off and thinking that tuxedos are indeed the height of fashion. I would hate to see him turn into a diva, creating a rift in the Flophouse Brotherhood. And how's the Flophouse housecat dealing with the fact that he is yet to get his own Wikipedia entry? He is not happy. Sincerely, Kelly last name with Hill. He, he prefers to be more of like a like a puppet master behind the screen. <laughs> He's more of an urban scene. legend. He's behind on the Snopes. screens. <laughs> uh, I will say that Stuart drove up to the podcast recording tonight uh, in a yellow Lamborghini driven by a chimp in a tuxedo. <laughs> so let's just say the, pa- the fame has gone to his head a little bit. I mean, no. parking up. He's not gonna park it or in this neighborhood. <laughs> no, he's just driving around. Yeah. I just wonder how that. He's driving around the block constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he is drinking Coors Light, but he's drinking it out of a diamond-studded beer koozie. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. And his speedo is now made of gold. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> Very chafy. He now has gold penis poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was in an early draft of Goldfinger. <laughs> it wasn't called Goldfinger back then. No. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Our last letter of the show is titled The Leprechaun Series. Please explain. <laughs> What's to explain? He's the leprechaun. He goes to space. He's been in the hood. That's he's all a monster. <laughs> he's like a little monster guy. He licks Jennifer Aniston's face. What's, what's to explain? It goes a little something like this. I just recently watched all six leprechaun movies. <laughs> And I'm you confused. had six dates in a row, I guess. 
<laughs> I'm confused too. Why did you watch all six Leprechaun movies? Uh, you why think at least around four, you start getting tired. The, the Leprechaun doesn't have a huge bag of tricks. I totally remember rent. By the way, I totally remember renting <laughs> Leprechaun in Space on VHS, and my local Hastings VHS copy wasn't a very good copy, and then there was no sound, and I still watched the whole thing. <laughs> I assume you did all you the, voices, the value right? out of it. <laughs> like, well, I rented it. I paid for it, and I'm going to watch it. Uh, I'll just pretend this is Sergei Eisenstein. But I wasn't ready prepared to like make a stink about it. <laughs> the well, I guess I'll make the most of it. Uh, Ooh, Mr. Leprechaun. <laughs> to continue with the question, why does this series exist? What is the target demographic? They aren't scary or thrilling. And given the meandering style of the films, they don't even seem to be trying for thrills. Well, they, Robert Altman made them. They're yeah. true graphic for kids, but not graphic enough for exploitation enthusiasts. Like most Ernest of, Scared Stupid. <laughs> most of them have one violent kill and one boob shot, no more, no less. They aren't generally funny, but they seem to be vaguely aiming in the direction of comedy. There's no consistency between any of the six films. I don't get it. Who is this for? <laughs> Who said, an evil leprechaun? Brilliant. The kids just can't get enough dark, modern interpretations of goofy Irish folklore. Explain. Well, oh, I think no. they found their target audience in our letter writer. Yeah, yeah you're watching watch six, six of them. them. Uh, I would say that they were ahead of their time in doing a dark interpretation of a fairy tale type mm-hmm. character. Uh, but I, I remember know. as a kid, I watched the second one a couple times. Yeah, it Be- seems like... For like, the one gory kill and the one boob the shot. The audience is like 14-year-olds, you know? I and, I have to admit, I've only seen the first Leprechaun, and my experience of it was watching the first 20 minutes, enjoying it a fair amount, and then watching the rest of it sober the next day and thinking, oh, can I fast-forward to the end of this thing when... Uh, is who's plays the Leprechaun again? Is it Warwick, Warwick Davis? Yeah. Warwick so Davis. I think it's just a Warwick Davis vanity project. Mm-hmm. He really loves this leprechaun like character. Short. Yeah, he wanted. He thought this leprechaun character he thought was great. Do a TV show, public appearances. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going for kind of like a Freddy Krueger type, they right? Like a wisecracking monster. Raise awareness of leprechauns and how leprechauns um, want to keep their gold. Yeah. And he's <laughs> and he's super powerful. Like his powers are fairly ill defined, so you can have him do whatever you want. Yeah, he's basically Tom Bombadil. Yeah, if you want. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. But like evil Tom Bombadil. <laughs> a movie where Tom Bombadil is the, the villain? Exactly. And his wife Goldberry and, and his pony just, fatty Lumpkin. Just singing interminable <laughs> songs the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Being, and being an absent-minded god. <laughs> Saving people just, from old man Willow. Wanders the forest <laughs> using his infinite ability to occasionally do something. Yeah. What a weird character. <laughs> we are going to get a ton that of really, hate mail. <laughs> yeah, for our Tom Bombadil slagging. Uh, that's so feel, like, that really feels like <laughs> Tolkien clearing his throat. Like he got through the first few chapters, and he's like, oh, this is moving pretty well. And then he's like, um, okay, uh, well. well yeah, was, I think we need a laugh. <laughs> we got to slow this <laughs> down a little bit. We need a funny guy. Let me put something in that even Peter Jackson won't put in a movie. <laughs> they, I think he he trapped the characters in a situation he didn't know how to save them from. So he literally did what he does in The Hobbit over and over again and just had another character wander in and save them, but made the character way too powerful by accident and was like, oh, well, there's no danger if I just have this guy walking around, so I'll have him be absent-minded. Because um, don't they say, why don't we just give the ring to Tom Bombadil? Yeah, because like, he takes the ring and he's like, ooh, this is a cool <laughs> ring. And they're like, they said like, oh, he'll just forget it or something. Hey, Tom Bombadil. 
So I hope that answers your question about the movie <laughs> Leprechaun. I don't know what to say to you. The Leprechaun movie, they made them for money. And it's, yeah, I feel yeah. like they're made for like 14-year-olds who yeah. could convince their parents to let them watch them because most parents are like, this can't be that. They're like it's a, a Leprechaun movie. There's probably songs and family stuff. They're like there. a travelogue with a Leprechaun. You get to see the hood. You get to see space. Oh, yeah. See yeah everything. It's all accurate. Too. I feel like the hood at that point, they're like, we are going for the hardcore irony crowd. <laughs> and the, uh, and then you got to go back to the hood. The first Leprechaun is what twenty years old now. Yeah, like that's a long. Oh life. man, that's when's time that, for a Criterion, criterion collection. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's a Criterion box set <laughs> with Peter Bob Do- Bogdanovich doing. No, it. Peter Bogdanovich. It's a guy. <laughs> he's, just, he's the world's that's biggest the Leprechaun fan. That's Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> he's got Joe so Bob many names. His brother Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> you look him up in the phone book under Donovich <laughs> Peter B. <laughs> So many first He's names like a smashed all together. Billy Peter Bogdanovich. I'll tell you about the time Orson and I were having dinner. Orson Welles, that is. Who should walk by but Sam Peckinpah? Anyway, Peter, he said, you wrote the dirndest script. <laughs> Instead of an ascot, he has a dirty bib on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So let's move on to our final segment, which is recommendations of movies that we actually liked. Movies that we recommend that you watch instead of... I Frankenstein, Stuart. You or if you're Stuart, in addition to I Frankenstein, <laughs> raring to go, which he calls the awesomest <laughs> film of the year, <laughs> the I Frankensteiniest movie. Yeah, I've is ever there seen. is there a DVD box that I can put a stamp of approval on by now? <laughs> Guaranteed uh, entertainment. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the lamest of the blockbuster stamps. <laughs> so uh, stickers, I guess. I guess you'd say yeah. so. Stuart. Keeping with the theme of. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> what? Of a, of a, uh, you know, a, uh, an original loner hell bent on revenge. I want to talk about a movie <laughs> a about a, a castle. <laughs> <laughs> a misunderstand, uh, understood fellow who might live in a castle. He might have difficulty, I don't know, connecting with people, women, perhaps his own ding dong. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not going to recommend Castle Freak. Although I did read a great interview with Peter Jackson, or not Peter Jackson, Stuart Gordon. Uh, they both be- have beards and are fat. Um, uh, but I was reading this great interview. With- I mean, uh, Paul Prudhomme. I mean, uh, Chris Claremont. Uh, I mean, George R. Martin. Um, so I was reading this interview with Stuart I mean, Gordon. Santa Claus. Where, where he was talking about, uh, you know, other filmmakers that are pushing the envelope that he appreciates. And he mentioned uh, the human centipede. And I feel that's kind of disappointing because I feel like a a Stuart Gordon directed Human Centipede would have been so much more gross than Tom Six's Human yeah, Centipede. And just to have more more imagination. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the movie I really want to recommend it's also features. <laughs> I recommend it's that Human a long Centipede time ago. full sequence. Uh, it's one hundred percent medically accurate. <laughs> I like the fact. I do like that. That was a selling point for the movie, which is such a William Castle old-fashioned so thing. Awesome. We talked to ten doctors who all told us that our human centipede theory all, would work. Who all told us? Yeah, I guess you could sew two, three people together as the mouth. It's just a story for now. But is this the future of medicine? So I'm recommending another movie that features a loner who has difficulty connecting with people. Called Lucas. Uh, he's been fighting he's been fighting demons for quite a while and unfortunately a woman that he gives a magic potion to turns into a demon and that woman is the granny. <laughs> 
little did uh wait, what's his the character's name is uh Namanami. Uh, little did he know that when he gave the granny this magical potion, the Kui Chow, I think, I don't remember, <laughs> that she would take the potion at the wrong time like a gremlin and become a super powerful demon granny and then uh, kill a bunch of people. So if you haven't already watched the granny... Because <laughs> <laughs> up till now, it's pretty, been pretty much required viewing. I think it was one of TCM's essentials. It was number one on the sight and sound pool. <laughs> Uh, so the granny. Yeah. Where would we find this movie? Uh, in the hearts of children <laughs> everywhere. In the reflected eyes of uh, of any child that has, I don't know, imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I think you can find it on VHS. I don't think it exists on DVD yet. <laughs> okay. um, so I'd, I'd quickly like to tr- recommend two movies. And I'm saying up front that I'm recommending two movies this sure, time. There's nothing after. wrong with that. Uh, so all the, the problem last time was you were like, let me tell you about two movies I'm not recommending. <laughs> yeah, then I'll get to my recommendation. Um, Just own up to it. So quickly, I uh, rewatched uh, Wages of Fear recently. That's great movie. Which is a movie that I originally had seen um, on a semester abroad in London years ago and immediately thought, like, this is one of my favorite movies uh, ever. And I, But then just did not watch it again for years and years and years. And I got the uh, Criterion disc. And it's beautiful, and it's a movie about um, basically a bunch of uh, guys in uh, what, they're in South America, right? Where like they're yeah. they're in sort of all in dead end positions. Uh, they get a chance to make two thousand dollars each by transporting a bunch of nitroglycerin across these rocky roads in trucks uh, that can blow up at any time. Um, and it's uh, directed by uh, uh, Henri Clouseau, yeah. who did uh, Diabolique, uh, which is probably what he's best known for, I think, in America. But I think uh, Wages of Fear is, it's much is better. better. Diabolique. Um, Le Corbeau is better than Diabolique, I think. But um, it's, it's, it's beautifully shot, and it takes, like, the, it, the movie is about, is about half over before anyone even gets in the truck. Uh, which is not wasted time. It, it's all character building time. It all shows uh, who these men are and why they would be put themselves in the position. Um, and it's just a great uh, tense uh, thriller and character study. And I also wanted to recommend a movie that I saw on Netflix streaming called Deceptive Practice uh, or Deceptive Practices. Um, and it's uh, a documentary that's nominally about Ricky Jay, although Ricky Jay deflects a lot of the time talking about, you know, old magicians that he admires. Um, and I just love um, old time magic and, and uh, close up magic. You know, like magic gets a bad rap mostly because what most people think of is magic Gandalf. <laughs> Well, more, what, what, what most people think of is like, like sleazy, long-haired people gyrating while there's uh, lasers in the background and smoke machines and putting a lady that in a thing. That sounds like something you would and, love. Gyrating, putting a lady in a thing. <laughs> all right. Lasers. <laughs> smoke machines. But it's all like uh, like jerry-rigged, like giant prop magic. You're that, talking about like, like for instance, the David Copperfield making the Statue of Liberty disappear trick. Yeah. Where he just rotated the platform everyone was on. Yeah. Whereas I have a real love and respect for people who have taken the years to uh, learn the totally useless skills that are uh, inherent it's a, it's in, a, it's an entertainment in skill. sleight of hand. Yeah, but it's, I mean, 
it, in a larger sense, it does nothing for the world. But in another sense, it's beautiful that they've spent so much time becoming a master of this thing. Like in in that sense, it's similar to like the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi or something like that, where like a man like spends all of his life in pursuit of becoming perfect to this one. That thing. is profession, yeah, yeah, and. And I love uh, magic. I love like the oral tradition of handing down these tricks. I love uh, just kind of like the sleazy vaudevillian kind of like carny quality of yeah, it. Yeah, the gyrating and the lasers and <laughs> yeah. the smoke. Chris and Ri- Angels. And Ricky J is thing. such a great like Merlin. historian. <laughs> Merlin. Of these things. I just, you know, it's just a thing that personally I care a lot about. Like I, if I had... Uh, uh, if I had was granted the wish to have like a technical skill, now keep in mind this wish would be real magic. Yeah, and you would be using real magic <laughs> to get fake magic. Well, if I if I had a wish, I would probably go for uh, hun- being able to play guitar wishes. a lot better than I can oh. first, because that would actually. I mean, uh, both of these are skills that you can get better with with practice. No, no, I don't yeah, care. Why don't for you it. say something like a magic knee or something? But uh, <laughs> a magic unterrible knee. But I think it would be quite something to be like. I'm very good at at, at uh, sleight of hand. I've never had the patience to actually it takes become a lot of patience and control. Good at it, but uh, um, here's my your monkey's paw moment. You're gonna yeah. wish for an unbreakable knee, and then your other knee is gonna break. Oh boy! Ugh. Or your leg falls off at the hip or something. Damn you, monkey's paw! That monkey's paw is an asshole. But so anyway, just give it up. Give so somebody the else. Point that is, like, the point is, you love magic, and this is a documentary about magic. Yeah, and and I don't know Johnson. necessarily like whether on a technical level as a movie this was the best movie but as a we're not asking that as a portrait of ricky jay and like who's a fascinating guy and as on a personal note like i just found it very pleasurable to watch like this documentary about ricky jay and about magic so deceptive practices deceptive practices and it's on netflix streaming does sound a little bit like a late night cinemax yeah deceptive practices sounds like something that involves a woman changing her underpants in front of an open window like a sexy lawyer movie i also (laughs) recommend that movie (laughs) that you just invented in your brain Yeah, deceptive practices with Shannon Worry and, <laughs> and Shannon, Shannon Tweed. Tweed and Shannon Darty. Shannon Worry was in the movie I recommended. And Carrie oh, Wurr. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did know that shit. Anyway, a lot of worrying yeah. going on. I'm going to recommend a movie that's a little, that's kind of a sleazy movie, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and that's a movie called What's the Matter with Helen? Uh, it's a Curtis Harrington movie and uh, who directed it. And if you know Curtis Harrington movies, you know there is going to be at least one middle-aged woman who goes crazy. And there's going to be some murder. And, like a blue jasmine? Uh, not ex- uh, More psychotic. And uh, there's going to be some kind of nod to old-time Hollywood. And this movie has that in spades. It's set in the 30s. And it stars Shelley Winters and Debbie Reynolds as two women who are the mothers of two boys who committed a kind of a thrill kill. And they've been threatened by people who knew the victim. And so they escape by going to Hollywood and setting a, setting up a dance school for little girls. <laughs> and Shelley Winters is very religious, and Debbie Reynolds is looking to land a husband. And the two of them uh, form this kind of bizarre relationship. But at the same time, they're afraid that they're still being hunted by the person who wanted to kill them as revenge for their sons killing this woman. Uh, and... There are, but around the, it's a pretty like knowingly campy movie in a way that I usually don't go for, but in Curtis Harrington's hands, it really works. And around the time that Shelley Winters thinks she is seeing, hallucinates that she is seeing her dead husband who was killed by being chopped up by a tractor, uh, while backstage at the child's <laughs> recital and starts screaming and ruining a patriotic number sung by little girls, 
I realized this is a pretty fantastic movie. So uh, if you're in the mood for kind of uh, kind of <sighs> melodrama, that's not it's not as good as whatever happened to Baby Jane, but it's better than Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte as part of the trend. I'm of, often looking for that. <laughs> <laughs> as and very much was part of the this this kind of ten year fad of older Hollywood starlets now being in horror movies about crazy yeah. people. Uh, it's a really good example of that and a lot of fun. And Agnes Moorhead as a one very good scene in it as an Amy Semple McPherson evangelist type uh, who does not approve of Shelley Winter's behavior. Uh, so I'd recommend it. It's called What's the Matter with Helen? I would recommend, though, don't look up the poster or any of the original advertising materials for the movie as... Spoiler they, alert. They literally give away the ending of the movie on the poster. So don't do that. They tell you what the matter with Helen is? Uh, they don't tell you what the matter with Helen <laughs> oh, okay. is. Okay. What is the matter with Helen? She's nuts. Okay. Um, so, guys. So what's the last part of the podcast? The last part of the podcast is when we say goodbye. Oh, that's the that's saddest the sad, part. Yeah, yeah. Well, but do we have to? Like Frankenstein, we'll be out there with our two sticks <laughs> <laughs> fighting bad movies wherever we come across them. Just slapping the shit out of yeah. them. Just giving them a good smacking. Yep, wearing a hoodie and hobo fingerless gloves. And maybe we'll lead the good movies to the bad movies, and the good movies will yeah. kill them. They live them. in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So you can know that we're out there. And those people who are out there are me, Dan McCoy. Oh, this is the word. Uh, I'm Stuart. <laughs> good, good work, Stuart. Perfect. And, Perfect cue. And I, Elliot Kalen. <laughs> good night, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. All the Franken. When you're all a Stein. Give it up, Stein. When you're Frankenstein. I. Frankenstein. I'm high on the ceiling. <laughs> on the ceiling. Oh, what a Frankenstein. When you're dancing on the ceiling. I, that's right, Dan. I took your song and I hijacked it and made it a different song. <laughs>